0: Hello, hello. Welcome back. I am always excited about our topics. But today I am especially excited, I would say, because I'm going to tell a piece of my own story about my own binge to balance. As you know, a couple weeks ago, I mentioned this on last week's podcast as well, I asked you what you wanted to hear about. And a lot of people said, I want to hear about food addiction. I want to hear about how to stop binging. I think I'm addicted to food. What do I do? And there were multiple questions about that as well. And so I have added that to the list of, we've got to talk about this. We've got to figure out what's going on. And because I have had personal experience with this, and I've worked with hundreds, if not thousands of women with the same issue, I thought, that's it. We're talking about it, and we are going to lay down all the facts. Now, a couple of things before we get started. First, I want to tell you that this is my personal story with binging and that I am going to address food addiction in its own way with its possible factors second of how that could possibly be happening. I also, because I'm telling my own story, I also want to say I do have experience with coaching women who have said that they are addicted to food or have said they can't stop binging or they can't stop eating food. And I have also researched and found some of the science about food addiction and current studies. So this is a little bit of a mix of what I have seen from coaching, what I have experienced, and then also what the health industry is saying about food addiction and if it's real and if it's not and how we can affect it. And I know that I see some common problems over and over again that I am going to address in my story. Second, I do want you to know that as I was researching this topic, because I research every topic, I know about the topics I want to talk about, and I have an outline in my head, but I still always want to make sure that I'm coming to you with facts, with information, making sure that I'm laying out the information the best that I possibly can. So typically first, I go to Google. (laughs) Now, I do that just to help me lay an outline, but then I also go to research papers and actual studies about it. So don't worry, I'm not like (laughs) getting my stuff from some random.com, but I do take into account both. And when I went in and added, you know, food addiction or binging, a lot of, which was kind of sad, a lot of diet meals, meal plans, meal companies where the meals are provided in very small portions, that is actually what popped up first. And that actually broke my heart. I don't know everything, but I can tell you that eating diets and eating foods and meal plans where you feel trapped, where you feel there's no choices, where you feel extremely limited and it's labeling food as good and bad, those are partly what is creating the problem and a big part of what is creating the problem. And those first few things that came up, those diets, the reason it made me sad is because if I was sincerely looking for answers, those things pop up first. They're paying for those ads. They're paying for those spots. And it's confusing to the reader. So I need you to understand having a super restrictive diet before we even go into this is not actually going to help you change any binging habits, change any food addiction, do any of that in my opinion and based on what I found doing some research. So I want that to be really open. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what is causing the binging. Let's talk about if it's food addiction and let's break it all down. And today's show is sponsored by ACTA Wear. Now, while this is an active wear line, they do actually have comfy clothes as well. And something you may not know about me is I am really intense about texture. So I hate when my exercise clothes cut into my waist, cut into my thighs, cut into my back. It makes me insane. And I like them to be super soft. And that is why I love ACTA because their fabrics are so soft soft. And comfortable. They use a custom blend of soft fabrics so they're able to endure the workout and they stay in place and they feel good and not itchy at all. I personally love their Flux Impact bra. I think strappy bras are so cute, but oftentimes when they're too strappy, I don't feel like they're very supportive. And they have so many different options from high impact to low impact. And I've liked every single one I've tried. They also donate with every purchase to four different charities. So on the back of all their clothes, they have four dots to remind you of their charities. They donate to childhood cancer, sex trafficking, clean drinking water, and mental health. So I always feel like, wow, I get great clothes and I get to donate to like good causes. And so for me, that's totally a win. You can try any of their products with the code Make It Simple. It's all one word, the name of the podcast, Make It Simple, and it gets 10% off. I will also add a link in my show notes. And again, it is ACTA. I have really loved their clothes because of how they feel and how they stay put. And I know you will as well. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness. But let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated, and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information and you're busy and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed. So I have made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here and I hope you stay a while. Okay, so first, let me say that the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual for Mental Disorders, it's basically what health professionals use to diagnose mental disorders, that it does not have any criteria for food addiction at this point. Food addiction is similar to several other disorders, including binge eating disorder, bulimia, compulsive eating, and other feeding and eating disorders. And it is even very similar to addictions, like substance abuse, or even gambling and stuff. But it is still controversial and hence why there is no addition in the DSM for food addiction, but it is being researched. I'm going to give you a list before we even get started for you to decide, am I addicted to food? Do I have an unhealthy relationship with food? and again, while it's controversial, keep that in mind, but I want you to take account for where you sit with your relationship with food and if you have any issues. So I'm going to list off a handful of questions. And if you are answering yes to four or five of these symptoms on the list, then it may mean that you have a deeper issue with food. And if you are listing yes to six or more, then that could very possibly be a food addiction issue with you, a very unhealthy relationship with food. So it's more than just like an issue with food. So if you want to get a piece of paper or a pen, or if you just want to, you know, open up your notes in your phone and you can mark yes, no, yes, no, and then add them all up, that might be very helpful. And I'm going to give you a second to do that because there are about eight questions I'm going to ask you so that we can get into possible reasons or possible things we can do about our relationship with food and possible addiction to food or even changing some binging habits because they can all go hand in hand and often they do go hand in hand. Okay, so the first question is number one, do you have frequent cravings for certain foods despite feeling full and having just finished a nutritious meal? Number two, if you were eating a food that you were craving, do you often eat much more than you intended to eat before you started? Number three, when you were eating that food that you were craving, do you often eat it to the point of feeling excessively full or stuffed? Number four, do you often feel guilty after eating a particular food and yet again, do it again sooner and sooner afterwards? So you may be saying, I feel really guilty about this. I'm not going to do it again. And then you just continue to repeatedly do it and overdo it with that food by possibly stuffing yourself. Number five, you make excuses as to why responding to a food craving is a good idea. Number six, you repeatedly but unsuccessfully try to quit eating certain foods in mass amounts or setting rules for you when you are eating that food or how much you want to eat, such as like maybe you do cheat meals on certain days or you're trying to limit the amount, but you just are always overdoing that food. Number seven, you are often hiding the consumption of the unhealthy food from others. So you could be doing it late at night, early in the morning, in your closet, just somewhere where people can't see you and you don't want to admit that you are overdoing certain foods that are unhealthy. And number eight, are you feeling unable to control the consumption of unhealthy foods. You might start thinking like, I'm not gonna eat very much of this, but then you feel out of control and you just consume a lot of it, even though you know it's harmful or can cause you health issues. So those are the eight ways that we can kind of see, do I really have an issue with binging? Do I possibly have feelings of food addiction? Am I really unhealthy with food? And if you notice, most of them have to do with feeling out of control and overdoing it. So I'm going to tell you my story now and why I do feel strongly about this subject because I have been there. I've been there through and through, and I can tell you that I have answered yes to every single one of those questions in my late teens and my early 20s. So in high school, I was an athlete. I played lacrosse, I played basketball, and I played field hockey. I grew up on the East Coast right outside D.C., and those were very popular sports. I tell people I played field hockey, and they're like, what the heck is that? And I'm like, oh, it is so fun. Anyway, I was an athlete growing up. I remember the only really connection I had with food was that, you know, food gave you fuel. So before big games and big activities, we would have spaghetti dinners. And all I knew was like, oh, yeah, spaghetti makes you be able to perform the next day really well. And now as an adult, I'm like, okay, simple carbs. They were trying to fuel us. It makes sense to me now, but... That was my only connection with food. I didn't really think about food. I just was active and ran and exercised and did all the things out of fun. When I went to college, I became very depressed. I've talked about this before in a depression episode. And I struggled with my self-image. I struggled just getting out of this emotion. And if you are someone who struggles with depression, as you know, I always say, reach out to someone who is an expert in that area or a therapist and get help. That's really important. But for me, I found that fitness helped Me come out of that situation. I became very involved in fitness. I became a fitness instructor and I started teaching kickboxing. And I still love kickboxing. In my stories on my Instagram handle, Deliciously Fit and Healthy, you would still see me doing kickboxing a lot. I love it. I think it's fantastic. But I became very in love with that. I decided to take a health course on, you know, just nutrition and stuff, and it spoke to my heart, and instantly I changed my major from English to public health education, between loving, you know, teaching kickboxing and seeing how it made me feel, and this health course. So in college, all my major classes were infectious diseases, mobility, nutrition, exercise science, and more and more and more. It was anything that we needed to teach the general public about health. And in the nutrition courses I took, obviously, calories in versus calories out was spoken very openly about. It made sense. It does still make sense. Let me be clear about that. But it made sense. And in my 20-year-old mind, what I heard, as the professors were saying, you know, to stay healthy and fit and do all these things, um, was that I needed to make sure that I was always eating less food than what I was burning, While that is a correct principle in some ways, it has been twisted. And I say that very openly because it was twisted for me and that I thought, okay, then I just always need to eat less food. I always need to eat less food and making sure that I'm eating less and I'm burning. And it takes something that is healthy and good for you and it makes it negative where then I'm avoiding food. Because I'm thinking that's the way to do it instead of finding balance, instead of understanding that there's a balance. And I am going to do another episode on this balance, on, you know, maintenance and some other stuff, but I'm not going to get into that today. But that was something that I found. And so I heard that and I started watching my food intake, which is fine. But again, I took it to an extreme and I twisted it. And I started avoiding fats and carbs because while I learned in class some of the positives of them, I also learned the negatives. And I started focusing on the negatives. Oh, well, if you are having carbs and you're not using all the energy, it's stored as fat. And I started focusing on the negative of health, which I promise you, we do a lot. I see people all the time with this fear-mongering of health. We do it in so many different areas where we take a situation or something that's happening and we wrap it up in fear. And then we create problems for ourselves. And that's what was happening. And that's what I see happening with fitness still. So I took information that had pros and cons and good and bad, and I wrapped it up in the fear and I started avoiding carbs and fat and eating a lot. And I started working out a lot and teaching a lot. And I was just eating very little. And it seemed to make sense at first, but then I started to binge and I started to binge uncontrollably. I will never forget the first time that I actually binged. I was making cookies for a friend, and I was, had those little mini Reese's cups. If you know me at all or follow me on Instagram, you know I love the holiday Reese's. They are like my favorite, and these were like mini bite-sized Reese's that you could put in cookies or brownies or whatever, and I had an entire container of them. I think they're from Trader Joe's, and I sat them on the oven, and I was making you know, the cookie dough. And the oven was on, and it melted all of these tiny mini Reese cups. And it just was all like melted peanut butter chocolate. And I remember I stuck my finger in it and licked it, and I was like, that was glorious. And then I literally took the whole container and basically started drinking it, eating with a spoon. It was like I had lost all control. And I was eating with a spoon. I'm dipping marshmallows in it. I'm dipping graham crackers. And I ate this entire container not like a not like a one person container a massive container and i felt terrible i literally felt so much guilt and shame and like a fraud because i was a health major and i was so embarrassed and i vowed that i would never do it again and the next day i made sure to eat as little as possible to make up for it and then i made sure to do an insane amount of cardio the next day to also make sure that i had repented of my food sin, and the cycle never stopped. It didn't stop for years and years. I would undereat, I would overeat, then I would barely eat to try to make up for it for a couple days, and then I would do it again. The shame and guilt never went away, and I would just binge and binge and then underdo it. In this case, this is compulsive eating, and it is part of the cycle that starts with the restricted diet of eat, repent, and repeat. Repeat. We overeat, we feel guilty, you know, we feel like we need to repent for it, and then we repeat it because we actually don't change the habit in the middle. We hit this breaking point of where the binge, the forbidden food, because in my brain I had labeled things as good and bad, I can eat this, I can't eat this because in the health industry, this is bad, and I can't eat that. Well, it's like holding your breath. You can only do it for so long. So then when I had the forbidden food, I was like, I will eat everything on this freaking plate. I don't care if it is meant for a family or a party of 20. And I would just down it. And it was the problem was a connection. And I had that compulsive behavior with the eat, repent, repeat. This binging experience or food addiction, I'm not sure, you know, what it technically is since there's no exact criteria, but it took a toll on me mentally. And it was insane how hard it was on me. I remember I had very little confidence. I felt like I was hiding the secret life. Here I was, a public health education major, and I was a fitness instructor, and I (laughs) totally had this secret underground life. I remember when I graduated college and I moved to Arizona and I still had roommates, I would do it late at night or even in my car. So when I say that I have answered yes to those questions, I have answered yes to those questions. The behavior continued until actually I got pregnant all when I first got married and I got pregnant. And then it actually mellowed when I was pregnant because your focus changes a little bit and you start thinking about making sure the babies are getting the nutrients. And so I wouldn't try to undereat. I made sure I was fueling properly. And for a small period, it faded and then, after I had the twins, it came right back in full force like I had never experienced before because, again, I was trying to undereat and make up for binging and nursing. And it was just too much. And I was struggling. And at that point, that is when I found macronutrients or macros, as you might hear them, as a lifestyle. Now, I knew what macros were. I did go to school, and I had courses on macros, but I hadn't looked at them as a way of eating, just more like, oh, there's three different macros, that's what food's made up of, but not necessarily as a style of eating. If you don't know what macros are, it's proteins, fats, and carbs, Every single food that you eat is made up of those three things. That style of eating I enjoy because there is no good and bad food. It's just foods are proteins, fats, and carbs. Everything's broken down to one of those things, and that is what it is. Now, while some are more nutritionally dense than others, it's still not labeled as good and bad. And I realized when I was able to shift to that style of eating – that that all or nothing mentality is what was killing me, that good or bad food was killing me. So I began studying even more about macros and more about our needs and what we needed for a certain intake and based on our goals. And I started to see food as nutrients, no matter what type. And I stopped binging. I literally slept better. My hair was better. My hair was super brittle when I was having issues with binging because I was under eating, overeating. My skin was better. I looked better. My relationship with myself and food had improved drastically. And that was over eight years ago. And I have never looked back because I can see how much balance makes a difference. Now, the problem the entire time was that I was not filling my body with what I needed. And my body wasn't getting the things it needed, which created the cravings. And the fastest way for your body to get energy, if it's not being fueled properly, is simple carbs, is quick cravings, is simple things like we start to crave comfort foods as well. So all of that kind of all plays a role. Now, this is more than just a mental game. I want to explain like it's not just like, oh, I wanted food. There is there is a real scientific component behind it. So your body is responding scientifically to needing energies, which is why it creates the cravings for food. There was a study done by Dr. Jay Nasser called The Psychology of Food Cravings, The Role of Food Deprivation. And basically, the entire study explains that diets create cravings. They do it physiologically because there's nutritional deprivation and they do it psychologically because we have these ironic effects of food thought suppression. So what that means is we tell ourselves over and over again, you can't have that cookie. You can't have that cookie. You can't have that cookie. So we're repeating that in our mind, suppressing that feeling. And then all we want to do is have that cookie. So I will also link that study in the notes. I will actually link everything I talk about, any sites or any research. You can always click on the show notes. I will cite everything because I want you to know that it is coming from places that actually know what they're talking about. But I will link that. But the point of this was that cravings really happen. Like, you know, physically... And mentally, they're occurring because diets can be too extreme, which are causing them. And that's what was happening with me. While I wasn't on an organized diet, I was purposefully trying to eat as little as possible, trying to be healthy, but it was backfiring and making me insanely unhealthy. It wasn't until I shifted my food intake and started increasing things and stopped food suppression and stopped labeling foods as good or bad that I really saw a difference. This is what I commonly see with coaching clients as well. Oftentimes, they'll come to me and we have to teach balance. We have to teach them macros that like I, one of my first emails to them is stop looking at foods as good or bad. Just look at them as proteins, fats, and carbs, and we have to reverse diet a lot of people, which can be a stressful road for people because I'm increasing their food intake, but it does pay off in the long run. Now, don't get me wrong. I still love to eat cookies. I still love a big slice of cake. I still do those things. It's not like they have no power over me. But the difference is I do not feel compelled to do them. I do them out of choice. And sometimes when you have issues with binging or an addiction to food, you feel a lack of control, like I must eat this cookie. I can't even think about anything else but this cookie. Now I'm to the point where I can say, hmm, I'm in the mood for a cookie. I'm okay with that. Or, hmm, I'd like a cookie, but you know what? I don't really need one right now. And I can do that because I don't feel that compelling feeling or that lack of control or even obsession with it. So if this is you, and I've explained in detail how you need a shift if this is you in the reverse dieting episode, I think it's episode 11. So if you're like, oh, you sound just like me, go to episode 11. I explain reverse dieting, what you need to do in detail. But for a quick overview, typically, if this is you, what I've described as me, I highly suggest taking three days and tracking all of your food For those three days and seeing what you're eating. See if you are eating nutritionally dense food. See if you are majorly lacking most days of the week and then maybe one or two days a week you're getting crazy and eating all the things. See what your habits are and then try to adjust them slowly. If you do feel like you're under eating on a regular basis during the week, I would suggest bumping up your calories by 150 calories. You can do it from anywhere to like 100 to 150 every two to four weeks, depending on how you're responding and your hunger cues. So you do have to pay attention to what you're feeling and be aware of both when you're looking at that window. Now, the percents of those calories may vary. But again, if you want extreme detail and what I'm talking about for reverse dieting and tracking three days and then bumping up your intake and doing that slowly over time you know raising it every two to three weeks again go back to the reverse dieting podcast is episode 11, and again, I really do break that down in detail of helping you figure out how to raise your intake to move to balance like I did, and it's what I do with my clients. And it really does work really well. I do it probably with 30 to 40% of my clients, and it pays off. But today, I really want to just focus on the habit of binging and food addiction and that stuff. So go back to that episode if you're wanting to figure that part out. It will really help you. If you're someone who isn't binging out of these reasons of like under eating or dieting excessively or anything that I've described, if you're someone who maybe you eat regularly already and you eat pretty nutritionally balanced and you get good sleep and you're not having parts of the days where you're undereating, then you may have a different situation a little bit. And before we go into this part, I do just want to add one little last step before you decide, like, it's definitely not me an issue of my diet intake, my nutritional intake, I want you to ask yourself, am I skipping meals? Do I drink enough water? Do I eat enough nutritionally dense foods for my needs? If you are answering yes to the first and no to the second, then I would start focusing there. Because again, I'm going to bounce back to that might be an imbalance of your food intake, as I've described was my problem and why I had developed binging habits and why I had a form of food addiction like I could answer all of those questions. But if you're like, no, I am eating nutritionally dense. I'm drinking water. I eat enough and I just feel like I can't stop. I want to talk to you now because I think it easily could be linked to another behavior or something else that's going on. So recent studies have also showed that compulsive overeating is really nice for the pleasure centers in the brain. So basically, if you are struggling with overeating commonly, it might be because you're getting a quick dopamine hit. So in the brain, you have neurotransmitters and basically they're firing because you're getting pleasure from the food. So you're getting a quick feel-good hormone, a dopamine hit. And so that might be partly why you're overeating. You might not even be hungry. It might not be physiological. It might not be because you're under eating. It could just be because you like that dopamine hit. Hit. As I mentioned, food addiction is controversial. The field is super divided. I read studies saying all kinds of different things, but I did find some saying we do feel like there's something here, but they're still studying it. But the field is divided for those who think overeating can be a type of addiction and those who think it's not an addiction. The reason why they say it's not a pure addiction is for one thing, standard treatment of addiction is abstinence. And you can't to have abstinence from food. It's part of a life and we really do need it. There's also evidence that says it's actually a behavioral issue. So Basically, you're not addicted to the food. Research has shown you might be addicted to the term of eating addiction, like the actual action of eating, but not the food itself. And so that's a little tricky. So basically, the strict and binge cycle, you're addicted to that cycle. You're addicted to that dopamine hit, just like you would be if you did drugs. They say compulsive eating is a type of a behavioral addiction, meaning it is like gambling or shopping, and it triggers intense pleasure. So it might not be that you're addicted to the food, but you're addicted to the habit of getting the pleasure quickly, similar to a drug addict. So clearly they're still researching this. They're trying to figure out what's going on. There definitely has been research showing that if we diet and restrict a lot, it does cause binging and food addiction. But there's also research coming out now where it's saying ah, it might be like a true addiction to like drugs or other habits, but they're still trying to figure that out. So we're going to kind of have to let that be water on the bridge as You know, there's more studies and more things to learn about it. Now, no matter which one you are, if you are like, oh, I am the person who's always dieting, always trying to lose weight, always trying to like eat as little as possible to like lose fat. Or if you're the person who's like, no, I eat totally balanced and I still like have these weird situations where I love to eat and maybe it is that dopamine hit. Either way, there are a handful of things that we can do to try to better that situation. The first thing that I would suggest and what I have my clients do is I have them take a deep look at their diet. Now, I already explained this, how I have you track three days and you look at what's going on. And I feel like no matter which issue it is, that is going to be crucial for helping you see, am I actually eating nutritionally dense or am I having big gaps in what I'm doing? I probably look at, Mm, hundreds of these every month. And I can be honest and say from true experience that most people do not have an nutritionally sound diet. I will look at charts and there will be gaps where they eat something unhealthy and then there's long periods where they're not eating. Or like throughout the day, I'll be like, there is no healthy fats in your diet. You do know that fats are like the hormone whisperer. They are your friend. Or there's no carbs. And it's like, you do know carbs help give you energy. Or there's no protein. That's a really common one. You know I preach about protein all the time. There's no protein in their diet. While I'm scanning it, looking you know, for proteins, fats, and carbs, and I'm like, oh, well, no wonder you're having a hard time putting on muscle, which is going to help speed up your metabolism. You're not eating protein. So write down your diet. Write it down. Take a deep look. See what you're doing. Write down everything. Even if you're embarrassed, even if you overdid it, write it down and see what your habits are. See what your trigger foods are. See when you are triggered, and how you can adjust that, but writing it all down is going to help you see the big picture. The next thing you're gonna to wanna to do is avoid labeling yourself. When I was struggling with this, I would just beat myself up over this. I would call myself all kinds of names. And the truth is, those are self-fulfilling prophecies. You know I am huge on mindset. I don't know how many episodes I have on mindset. Even my coaching clients are always like, I feel like every other email is on mindset. And it's true because to me, that is the number one thing. If you want to see changes is we have to shift our mindset. So stop labeling yourself as a bad person because you ate too much or a bad person because you have this issue or you're not like anyone else. You are. There are other people who have this issue and it is okay. Also, I want you to stop labeling food as good and bad because that can make you obsessive and make you feel like you have a lack of control and make you overthink about the foods that you're trying to restrict. So stop labeling things the next thing I want you to do is take a pause. When you feel like eating and you're sure I've already eaten enough, I had a solid nutritional meal, I'm drinking enough water, I'm you know, not feeling tired. Am I really hungry? Oftentimes we do confuse hunger with being tired. We confuse being thirsty with being hungry. And often we're even just looking for pleasure because we're bored. Maybe you're watching a TV show and you're like, I want to eat some peanut butter. Now, if you want to make that choice and say, no, I just want to have a bite and you don't feel compelled or lack of control, that's fine. But before you eat something, pause and ask yourself those questions. Again, a simple repeat of those. I'm going to repeat them so you can think about them. Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Am I tired? Am I stressed? Am I struggling with something emotionally? Sometimes we eat because we're trying to cope with our emotions, and that's really common as well. Or am I looking for pleasure? Answer that sincerely. And if it's one of the other things, really think about what you're feeling. I know that I have done this when I was working out and getting into macros and trying to eat balance. I would ask myself those questions, and a lot of times I would find the answer was something else the next thing you can do is change your external circumstances. So what I mean by that is change your environment. If you were a drug addict and you were addicted to drugs they would try to tell you, you need to stay away from the places that are causing you to do drugs. And it is the same thing with food addicts. You need to break that cycle. They call it the harm reduction. You're trying to reduce the harm of the food. So if you are always going to the McDonald's drive-in and getting, you know, whatever you're not actually wanting, maybe you change up and try a different fast food place that has maybe a more healthy option instead of going to McDonald's and trying to choose the healthy option at McDonald's when you actually want another option. Go somewhere totally new. Go hit up Chick-fil-A and get something that you've never had. Go somewhere else is what I'm saying. Even if you're in your house and you're feeling a little bit of a lack of control, I highly suggest to go on a walk. I know for me that I have found that if I keep my mind busy and my hands busy, it helps me just feel better about the situation. Like I do this even when I'm stressed. But if I was someone who was still having issues with binging and it wasn't linked to you know, my unbalanced diet, if it was truly linked to an addiction to food, that's what I would do. I would turn on a podcast and I would do the dishes or I'd go on a walk or I'd fold laundry, something that keeps my hands and my mind busy because I mentally and physically, I feel like I need to be involved in everything. And that helps cover both bases. So again, these ideas that I'm giving you, you do have to be aware of which person you are. If you're someone who's eating healthy and eating enough and drinking enough water and you still have what you feel like is food addiction, that's going to be more of these answers. And if you're someone who is actually binging out of a lack of control of the diet where you're under eating and then overeating, that's different. You actually need to fix the diet. You need to increase your diet. And I just want to make that really clear. That is fixed by you eating more on a regular basis. These last ones are kind of more for if you are already eating enough and you're having issues. The next one is you want to show moderation. Now, this is a good one for if you are trying to work into eating more food or you already eat balanced, but you overdo it, like you already have a healthy diet. So as I was researching, I actually found information supporting this idea and some supporting like, no, just avoid the food all overall. I, again, I'm going to speak from my experience. Someone can have a different opinion and that's okay. But if you're talking to me, I've literally worked with thousands of women that If you are just going to try to straight out avoid a food, you are going to smash your face into that food down the road. So I am not going to suggest that. I have seen it. I have done it. I don't want you to do it. So I'm going to suggest moderation. The reason I say that is banning foods can cause you to overeat later. So, if you're having a craving or you're wanting to eat something, then give yourself permission to have a small amount of that. To have a piece, like cut yourself a portion and move on. Enjoy it. Think about where you're tasting, think about the flavors, think about all of that and move on. I saw a meme a long time ago that was like um the woman wants chocolate and it shows two ways. It shows one woman and she's like I want chocolate. And she's like, okay, she eats a protein bar that's chocolate. She eats another protein bar that's chocolate. She eats four rice cakes that are chocolate rice cakes. And then she eats like five candy bars. And the other woman says, I would like chocolate. And she just eats a normal portion of chocolate from the get-go honor your cravings, honor what you're feeling and have moderation with it. Because when we try to work our way all around it with protein bars and chocolate rice cakes and all these things, we end up eating the chocolate anyway, but we wasted a heck of a lot of calories before that. And we'll probably overdo the chocolate because we've demonized the chocolate. And so then we're like, well, I'm already eating a piece. I'm just going to eat all the pieces. So shift that mindset and say, no, I'm just going to have a piece of chocolate. No big deal. I'm going to have peach chocolate every single day if I want. No big deal. And the last one I want to suggest is getting help. Obviously, there are a few different ways to get help. The first one is there are a lot of growing groups and places you can go to get help if you think you have food addiction. I will list a handful of those in my show notes with links. There is Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous. There is Overeaters Anonymous. There is Gray Cheaters. They talk about overcoming you know, obsessive compulsive eating disorders, and Food Addicts Anonymous. A lot of these are based on the 12-step program, which they use to work with people who have addiction with alcohol or drugs or gambling. So if your addiction is real and it's not linked to an unbalanced diet, like we talked about in the beginning, you might want to reach out to one of these, you know, agencies or one of these programs and see if you can get some help because the 12-step program has been very effective in many different kinds of addictions. You can also get a therapist and go into therapy. Cognitive behavioral therapy has shown really good research and signs that it is really effective for addictive behaviors, including food addiction. What I'm going to ask you to move away from with programs or getting help is moving away from extreme diets, meal plans, people who are making you feel guilty or shame, or anything you pull off Google that's going to tell you that you're going to eat 1,200 calories and you're going to break your food addiction habit. Stop that those are not healthy. They are not going to help you. I promise. Now, I do know this is a difficult subject to cover. And I do know I am not a medical professional. I can only speak from my experience. So I want to make it clear that if you think you have issues, that you please reach out to a medical professional and get help. I can give my experience based on my own situation with having an unhealthy, addictive, you know, situation with food and what I see with clients often. And when we are able to balance their food, that binging, the addiction, the obsession, the um, need fades. It disintegrates because there's balance there. There's not the all or nothing mentality. And at the same time, as I've researched, I found that food addiction might be more than just an unbalanced diet. There might be actual, a real addiction there. And that's where you kind of want to think about these handful of last things that I suggested and being aware and, you know, possibly reaching out for help in that area. I truly hope this episode was helpful for you. If it is, again, share it with your friends, share it on social media. And if you have any questions, again, reach out and get help from some of the things that I have listed in the show notes. All right, that's it for this week. And as always, you are doing better than you think you are.